Hello, hello, hello! Welcome back to Cheesehead Hangover. I am Garrison Anderson, and sitting across from me is my lovely sister, Sarah Anderson. Hi, people! Hello, people. And it's a sad day. It's a sad week. It's a sad week. The Packers have lost again. And in spectacularly terrible fashion. I don't think I want to associate the word spectacular with that game at any point, but I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, so we're sad. We're here. We're drinking. I'm drinking a uh, Dogfish Head 60-minute IPA, and Sarah's drinking something uh, much darker than me. An Old Ox exor- Exorcist Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Yeah. So. Don't worry, folks. It's sitting at about 7 plus percent. We're in a good spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. just kidding. It's at 10%. Yeah. Hers is at 10. Mine's at 6, so I'm a little bit better off as far as beers go. But we're both sad. We're both getting over it. We're trying to deal with it. And hopefully us talking about it will help you guys get through it as well. Um, so I don't really have any news or notes around the league. I feel like whenever the Packers lose, I just kind of like – withdraw like i yeah i just kind of like withdraw and zone out like part of me didn't even want to record this podcast tonight because i didn't want to have to do the work of going back to watch the game to go through it all again um i mean you even made us delay a day just to just to procrastinate on such such tasks at hand yeah so we're recording this tuesday night we thought about recording it monday but then i was like no not go record it monday so, but here we are. Uh, so the Packers obviously lost to the Chargers. Um, um, I would say some good news coming out of this this week nine of football is that not only did the Packers lose, but so did every other NFC North team. So if there's at least a silver lining, we didn't pull ahead in the standings, although we had the opportunity to do so, but we didn't fall behind either. We just maintained the status quo, which... If you're going to get a loss, that's about as good as you can hope for. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, there's it's hard to find a silver lining, but I guess that's about as best as it can be. Um, yeah, I really have no idea where I want to start this week with this game at all. Um, what, what did you think about this week in the NFL and Packers versus Chargers? Well, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping that. Um, you know some of the some of the hi- highlights coming out of the uh, the press conferences following the game game hold true. Um, the Smiths during their press conference, you know, were saying that the loss was was going to w- wake us up. It's woke us up. Um, you know that that sentiment, along with being served humble pie, um, which I think is what their expression Rogers and a couple other players use. Um, I mean, this this the NFL is tough on any given week. Any given team can win, as we saw this week by the Dolphins notching their first win. Granted, it was against the Jets. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, that's always something to keep in mind with a loss and putting putting a loss in perspective. But, I mean, that also makes it incredibly important to turn the page because any given week, your opponent might come in and have the have their best week of the year, and you've got to be ready for it. Yeah. And, and the I mean, Packers clearly weren't this yeah, past week. Yeah, clearly weren't this past week. But I mean, I think we maybe forgot a little bit that the Chargers were a 12-4 and team last year. And they hadn't 
been beaten by more than one score at any point this year, um, despite coming into the game three and five. And so what you said, any team can beat any other given team on any day. And if you want any proof of that, look last year's New England Patriots who ended up going to win the Super Bowl. They got beat by the Dolphins and the Jags last year, and they both were not good teams last year. So it, it can happen any any given week, any given Sunday. And I think a good point you mentioned with the Chargers, I mean, they, they lost all of their games by one score, and most of those games had fluky things happen. They really should have been much more than a 3-5 and five team when they came in, at least at least four and four, if not, you know, flip, flip those wins and losses to five and three. Um, I mean, they were better than, better than their record. And we said that last week, but I mean, I think this week they really showed how much better than their record there were going against a team with a much better record, um, in the green Bay Packers and, and they brought their air game and, and the Packers really didn't. Yep. That's true. Um, yeah, so uh, maybe let's start with where where things just really never got going with the Packers' offense versus the Chargers' defense. Um, it was really lackluster throughout the game and really just never got in the flow of anything, and that's kind of the way uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers described it. Didn't even get a chance to get to what they had game planned for much of the game. And that was a real struggle throughout the course of this matchup. And Roger said it. I mean, it was it was a combination, especially at the beginning, of penalties and execution. And I think it both it threw both Rogers and Lafleur with play calling for a loop. Lafleur admitted at his press conference that maybe he should have been a bit more patient with the run game. And if you look at the run game, the Packers, I mean, they did pretty well. They had a four point one average per carry. If you have a four point one average per carry. You should be carrying the ball, but the Packers really didn't do that. Um, they only, they only had, a, had eleven rushes for the whole game. Um, and and Lafleur admitted that he he kind of got out of his rhythm and, and got away from the script because of those penalties and and the lack of ex- execution um, that kind of put them behind the change chains um, on on their f- first few drives. All you know when they went basically three and out. Yeah, and one of the things that came up a couple times in uh, LaFleur's press conferences where, and this was kind of stressed in a couple different areas. Uh, he said, most of the stuff all we practice all week, we didn't get to. And primarily we had ran a two minute offense, uh, the majority of the game. And uh, you may, you may think, Oh, what's the, what's the issue with running a two minute offense for the majority of the game. And basically what he's trying to get to there is, that for a majority of the game, the Packers were in long down and distance situations. And in a two minute offense, a lot of times you're looking for chunk plays to work your way down the field in as quick a fashion as possible. Um, And and they were really forcing it when they really should have just stuck to their guns of who they are and how they play um, and, 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 and work their way down the field. Yeah. And that, that came up as he, it didn't come up in the immediate post game presser afterwards, but in the next day presser, he talked a lot about how the chargers were playing and getting pressure with four guys rushing the passer and then playing a 
three deep look with four guys in the middle. So you had basically not a really good chance to get chunk plays down the field because you had the second, third, and fourth levels covered. And the first level was kind of where you maybe had some opportunity to dink and dunk down the field. And the one touchdown drive is that's how they did it. They had a lot of like five yard gains, six yard gains, seven yard gains. And kept the penalties to a minimum. And kept the penalties to a minimum. Was that the drive where they did get the first down off of a penalty as well, I believe? Yeah, I believe so. Um, But also like... When you think of two-minute offense, like I said, long downage situations and you want to get those chunk plays, but you're kind of feeling like you're forcing yourself to get chunk plays. And another point of emphasis was on third down, and I think this emphasizes this as well. The Packers, I went through all of their uh, situations, and here are all the third down yardages to go that they had. They had third and eight, third and six, they converted on third and six, third and 10, third and 14. And then the third and 14, they had a penalty conversion. And then third and seven, third and eight, third and 16, third and 13, third and three, which they converted and third and 10. So in total, they went two and 10 on third downs and then had one penalty help them out. And that's all of those yardages are way behind you're down in distances that you want if you want to kind of get a drive sustained and going. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, false start penalties and other things. That, and then sacks, mm-hmm. um, the Chargers defense, they had three sacks, but the the big notable thing that I had from those sacks is they, they lost on average over seven yards a sack. It wasn't like, you know, a one or two yard loss. It was, they were sacking Aaron Rodgers way back and putting them behind the chains. And they had six tackles for losses as well. So even if it wasn't a sack and it was a run, there were a fair amount that went for a loss as well. Um, and that just, that'll put you in those third down and long situations, which we constantly saw throughout the course of a game. Um, yeah, and I think one of the other things I was kind of worried about um, with this game was the pass protection um yeah it was was one of the things i really wanted to pay attention to this week during the game given that bakhtiari and balaga had both sustained injuries the week before yeah and i and also because they had good performances early in the year so i was i i was emotional during the game so i didn't really look at the x's and o's of it too much um but afterwards the returning to it i thought it was interesting how the chargers actually rushed the passer Occasionally, they would put both of their best pass rushers, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, on one side of the line um, and asking one of them to play inside. Or they would put both of them shifting towards the outside or shifting to kind of make the pocket change its shape um, and have Aaron have to step up in it. Um, And really, I think they did a couple creative things, especially with doing some stunt moves on the outside and really forcing the speed on the very edges of the line where you can't get as much support from your interior guards or your center to help out with chipping a uh, Mm -hmm. edge guy, a speed guy. Um, And even if you have a guy on the edge like that and you ask a guard to pull and chip, sometimes the guard may not even get there in time 
and just end up blocking air because the guy is already trying to work his way around the tackle. So I thought the speed rush was really something that was dominant and it was overall one of the one of the another one of the reasons why we got down early on offense. It absolutely was. Um I think you know, one one of the things that um in hindsight looking back at the game, um kind of looking at penalties was were a big thing, another big thing getting the Packers behind um, you know, those long third downs was the sacks, but um, another big part of it was execution. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at a lot of the receivers, um, both MVS and Jake Kumaro had no catches despite being targeted twice each. Devontae Adams missed, dropped four balls. Um, you know, these are that that's that's hard when you're when you're already, you know, digging yourself a hole to have your receivers be dropping things like that. Kind of a silver lining of it, though, is that Jamal Williams was targeted six times and he caught them all six times. He actually very quietly had a pretty darn good day, and it's almost too bad the Packers weren't weren't giving him more opportunities. Six, you know, six catches for on six targets. He also had a 5.0 average on his two carries, um, and he scored the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, he quietly had a very a pretty darn good day, but of course, given Given the lack, lackluster performance of the entire offense, it kind of went unnoticed. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it it's tough because when whenever you have a team that feels really talented and they just don't tend to show up at all on a game, you're like, what really happened there? And it, it seemed like a lot of the players and the coaches were talking afterwards and really talking about how they're seemed to be a lack of focus and just kind of one of those games that the other team just came in more prepared and a game that is fluky. You're always going to lose some games in the season and one to learn from and come back stronger from and more focused. Uh, LaFleur was even talking about how the coaches were having sort of a, uh, what we call in the business world, a post-mortem whenever you're done with a project, whether it goes well or terribly more often when it goes terribly you do a post-mortem where everyone gets together and talks about what went well what didn't go well why didn't it go well what was the problem with all of it and the Packers had one of those meetings today uh, and really were working to figure everything out make all the changes and corrections that were needed and then put the game to rest today and I think that will be very much the strategy moving forward into the Carolina game this next week. You know, one final thought on offense that I have is um, given, given the performances through the month of October and when, when Devonte Adams was not on the field and his return and this kind of major regression back to what our offense looked like in September. Um, I think you have to ask the, question are the Packers worse with Devontae Adams on the field um and the reason I ask that isn't it's not a talent level thing clearly Devontae Adams is the most talented receiver on this roster he is a number one he is a pro bowl caliber player the reason I ask the question though is because of the psychological game of him not being on the field when your number one is down everyone stepped up 
when he came back, clearly not everyone stayed stepped up to the plate. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. I also think it's crazy. Um, but well, I am drinking a 10% beer. That's fair. Um, uh, so I understand what you're kind of going for. I think it kind of gets back to everyone realizing with not having all your best players out there that you need to rise to the occasion and continue that. Um, I think it also goes back to sort of this focus issue in this game and you can call it a trap game if you want. Um, but they were also in LA, which LA is a bit more exciting than green Bay. And they were seven and one. So they had some hype around them. Maybe, maybe we were feeling themselves a little bit. And ultimately I think it goes back to something Rogers said in his presser. These are all excuses that we can talk about. The matter of the fact is you lost the game and then you need to come back and perform and make the most out of every opportunity you have the next week out. Um, Undoubtedly, maybe, I think, maybe were we in three, four wide receiver sets too much? Maybe. I didn't look at the personnel groupings for this game, but it it kind of depends. The team is definitely better with Adams on it. So, I mean, I think it's better with Adams on it, but, you know, his ability to help get the other receivers ready when he was sidelined really, I thought, showed. He is the leader in that room, and even when he wasn't on the field, he led them. But mm. when he was in the game, the caliber of play is low, was lower this week. Yeah, I'm, not but he's still, this is, I'm not saying this is the trend. I'm just pointing out that now the, the, the correlation between the two, the, that's not causation. But I, I think there is some, some mindset, mind games that have to go on and get clear about that whether he's on the field or not, all the other receivers need to play at the level that they're capable of and not rely or count on Rodgers just going to Adams. Although yeah. he did 11 times, which was basically a third of his targets. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that Devontae Adams is a leader regardless if he's in the game or not because he's in the meeting room every week. He's showing them how to work. He's showing them how to play the game. That's great. Um, I think this can go back to a little bit. And Matt LaFleur, I, one of the best things I like about him as a coach is he's happy to take the blame on himself, and that's a good thing to do for his players. And it's about putting guys in the position to succeed. And when you look at us having only 10 rushes by running backs and over 35 pass plays this week, that doesn't put your wide receivers in a position to have the defense question if the play's a run or a pass. No, and the they game, clearly the game, teed off. The game rhythm felt like, oh, they're going to pass, they're going to pass, they're going to pass, they're going to pass, and therefore the pass rushers could be like, all right, we're going to rush the quarterback, we're going to rush the quarterback, we're going to rush the quarterback. We don't have to be worried about this running back going through the line or like overrunning a running back going past you to try to get to the quarterback to sack him. So I think it's a little bit more of a game flow and play calling issue this week rather than 
the level of intensity or performance of any one individual player. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. uh, So let's get to the other side of the ball where the more action was because the the more time was spent (laughs) where the more time was spent. For those of you that don't know, the Packers offense only had the ball for 24 minutes in the entire 60 minute game where the chargers had it for 36 minutes and they were on the field and they drove down the field and they they scored our our defense is pretty much much what you can say. Um, I mean, cause the defense I thought did an admirable job holding them to field goals on their first four scoring drives. Um, you know, you can have some sort of debate of whether or not they should have gotten into field goal range, if they should have tried to hold them outside of field goal range. But the fact is they got into, they got into a, a space on the field where they easily could have scored touchdowns, and they didn't. So the Packers' defense kept 16 potential points off the board. I mean... I mean, the Chargers had over 200 yards worth of offense in the first half, and they only came away with nine points. Exactly. Like, that, I mean, that is some pretty, you know, the defense bent, bent, but throughout the first half, it held in there and kept it to a two-score game. Um, I mean, the problem just happened, you know, once you start getting into the third quarter. Um by that point, the, the time of possession difference makes a big difference. And it was warm. It, you know, it's, it's gotten pretty chilly in Wisconsin. So, um, you know, that, that extra heat can just really gas you, especially when you get no break as the Packers were going three and out multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that get, gets back to it. And the Packers team has uh, been liking to play a brand of uh, opportunistic defense with sacks and interceptions and things like that. Um, The bend don't break model, which is what has been kind of going on the last four weeks or so. Um, And there were a couple opportunities for the Packers defense to make those opportunistic turnover type plays. Uh, Yep. Jair Alexander lost an interception in the sun and it bounced off his hands. Yep, exactly. And that's the one I'm thinking of. And throughout the first half, you did see a good amount of pass rush throughout that half that Mm -hmm. caused and affected Phillip Rivers to make some rush throws like the one that went off Alexander's hands. And there were a couple other ones that were just thrown away or thrown into not the best coverage situations or of course the sack that happened as well. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where you want to capitalize on those opportunities when they are as close as the interception going right through your hands as you're trying to fight the sunlight. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, they, I mean, they did get a couple good sacks and they, um, they really helped out on, uh, on those red zone stands and, and keeping them out, out of the end zone. And I mean, those were good to see, but there's only so much of that you can do um, and keep your offense, you know, without an offense, the off- without an offense, they just, there's a limit to how long a defense can really hold out. Yeah. And again, we saw some more explosive plays be given up. Um, there were, the 50, 56 yard catch by Mike Williams down the sideline, which was a catch and run. And Alexander, who's probably the fastest player on the team, was running right behind Williams and was didn't catch up to him. And Adrian Amos came in for the tackle. 
um, eventually. And Melvin Gordon had a 16-yard run. Austin Eckler had a 16-yard run. And Keenan Allen had a 20-yard catch. So there were there were some big chunk plays that were mm-hmm. uh, going on throughout the course of the game. Um, Philip Rivers did a, a great job quarterbacking this team, 21 for 28. Um, he was on target most of the game, and he is a savvy veteran who knows how to take advantage of uh, the defense in the places that you uh, let him take advantage of. And I think, again, it all goes back to uh, the defense got gassed early on, and the Packers in the first half didn't help him out, but then also in the sub- second half to start out on a three and out, essentially. Is, is just not the way you want to start with energy coming out of the second half, especially when you do know that you've had that struggle. Um, and I think as the game went on, you saw the defensive backs get a little bit more lax on wide receivers and not play as physically tight with them. And then you just started to see like a lack of edge and intensity. And when you have a lack of edge and intensity and give up a half step, a half step's the difference between a wide receiver getting space on you to score a touchdown or a running back hitting a hole before you close the hole. So that that's really where you start to get into these issues with the defense throughout the course of the game. And I mean, I really, I think the big dagger into the defense was um, J.K. Scott's block punt. Yet mm. another uh, rain cloud on this very not pleasant day in, yeah. in L.A. Yeah, and especially with that, too. I mean, you you have the block punt, and then you immediately give them a short field right away. Uh, they're already in the end zone right after the, blo- the red zone uh, after the block punt. And red zone downs are more intense. <laughs> like, you get more high stress on those, so it's... Just it's just tiring. <laughs> it is. It's and I mean it's just exhausting, especially because the Packers um basically had only gotten one first down on the that preceding drive, so they had gone more or less three and out to start the half. Held the defense held up and held held the Chargers to a field goal, but then the Packers got basically one first down and then a block punt and the defense has to be back out there again. And that's just just not enough time to catch your breath. Yeah, and yeah, I feel like if you're a Packers fan, as we are, you have to worry about just the amount of yardage this team's given up, um, especially coming into this next week with, we'll talk about it soon, one of the best players in the NFL Football League with the uh, Panthers. But it, I, I still want to see that dominance we saw in the first two weeks of the year. You know, and I think they're capable of it. But it's, it's you know, part of this one was... Um was also they had a lot of they had a lot of missed tackles and missed opportunities um from the interception to you know there were multiple times that even on even on the I, I can't remember what drive this was on but they had a chance to have a tackle for a loss of about six they missed the tackle and ended up being a loss of one but that's a big difference mm-hmm. um and so missing those tackles missing their opportunities and then you know there was a lot of times that pressure just didn't get home Philip Rivers often had a lot of time for his plays to develop and for him to choose, you know, what he wanted to go with. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, they 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 had, you know, and part of it might have been been, you know, that 
just the fatigue of the season going on. When they're rested, they seem to do fine, pretty well, but they just weren't. They just weren't in this game. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. Um, so don't want to be too much of a negative, Nancy, and over over stress this game. But are there any last few items that you want to talk about with I this? I actually uh, want to end on loss? two highlights okay. from this loss. Two highlights. So Mason Crosby is super clutch. Can you say 54-yard field goal? It's a, um, it's a longer field goal. <laughs> it's a long field goal. Um, and he made it. Uh, he, You know, he he didn't get another chance to, to kick a long field goal in the game. Um, but, you know, when the opportunity is there, he at least got us on the board. He um, <clears throat> had to take that. The other thing that I in, – in, in more seriousness, um, I would – Seeing Smith with his uh, 36-yard return, I thought, was um, mm. in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, he, he, yep. he finally broke one loose. Um, I think that's a good sign. Um, I this think... return game has been a little stagnant. There's been a couple flaws. They're trying things out and trying to figure it out, and maybe we have something here. We'll see. Yeah, and I think uh... – to your point, um, Traymon Smith had five kick returns for 123 yards, which happens to average out to about 25 yards per kick return. Um, and when you sort of run the thought in your mind of do we want to return this kick or not, um, we can kneel it in the end zone for an immediate 25 yards, or we can run it out and hope for the chance to get some more yardage and to do that. And although he just averaged 25 yards, I think it's good that you see that level of confidence to handle it and know that if he he goes out of the end zone, he's going to at least get you to the 25-yard line, and he has a chance to get more. And a lot of those kick returns, actually, they were kind of kicking them a bit short of the end zone. So he was catching a lot of those on the the one, two, three-yard line. So he did get beyond the 25-yard line. but as far as like a minimum bar yep. performance, like it's good to see that's where it was uh, for Traymon Smith in this game. Absolutely. And so, you know, maybe there's something there, something to keep our eye on. One last question about this game. <clears throat> Do you think the crowd size was too small? So yeah. the Packers are used to playing in Lambeau most of the time, as well as other big stadiums in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I would say most NFL stadiums. Lambeau can seat about just under 80,000 people. <clears throat> most other stadiums, I feel like 80,000 is on the, on the higher end, but they, they average in the 70s, mm-hmm. probably, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. This was a measly crowd of, what, twenty five to 30,000 people? 30,000. 30,000. 30, I can't help but wonder if if it almost didn't feel like a real game with like a half to a third of the people present that you're used to, mm-hmm. did this just not feel like a game to the green Bay Packers? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I will, I understand what you're saying as far as like energy and atmosphere, but uh, ultimately the game was mostly Packers fans, but the Packers just didn't give the Packers fans anything, anything to cheer to about. Cheer. So uh, I think this game could have been a lot different if the Packers started out fast or had a couple more big plays in there. Uh, folks were tweeting about the game beforehand in Los Angeles, um, tweeting like people chanting, go Pack, go, 
during the pregame ceremonies. Uh, when the Chargers came out of the locker room, there was people at that locker room end zone booing them. So, like, the energy was there. But, again, it maybe was just one of these distractions that didn't let you focus in on what is a what is a road game and what should ultimately require your utmost and full attention. So, all right, shall all right. we turn the page? We shall. Um, so the Packers are coming home. They looking at the schedule for a second. They're playing the five and three Carolina Panthers this next week. Um, and they'll be home, and then they have a bye week, and then they will face the San Francisco 49ers, who are still unbeaten, the only unbeaten back team. Back out in Santa Clara. In the NFL, back out in Santa Clara. California. California. <laughs> so, uh, going into this game against the Panthers, uh, the Packers are favored by five and a half at home. Uh, the Panthers are without Cam Newton, who has been out since the second week of the year uh cam newton started 0-2 this season and then had kind of recurring issues with a foot problem that had given him problems in the off season but he toughed it out for two games then got shut down again and then just this past week he visited a foot specialist ironically the, ironically in, green bay, in the green bay area dr andrews who's a fairly well-known uh foot specialist for all things sports um, and he got shut down for the year and placed on IR this week. Um, so he will not be in, uh, his backup, Kyle Allen, uh, who's a little known player has actually done really well with the team going four and one in the time being gone. However, make no mistake. This is not a team that's ran through the quarterback position. This team is, a team ran solely through the running back position and Christian McCaffrey, uh, who has come out of Stanford and has put together an MVP type season this year. Mm -hmm. um, so the last running back to win an MVP award uh, was Ladadian Tomlinson in 2006. Uh, and in that 2006 campaign through eight games, Ladanian Tomlinson had 828 rush yards, 323 pass yards, pass reception yards, and 14 touchdowns. McCaffrey this year has 881 rush yards, 363 passing receiving yards, and 13 touchdowns. He is solidly an MVP candidate for the entire NFL and is the heart and soul of this offensive attack for the Carolina Panthers. I was really hoping you were going to ask me about my X factor for the game because, I mean, it truly is whether or not they can, I wouldn't say stop Christian McCaffrey, but can they contain him enough to win? Mm -hmm. um, they have let numerous running backs run all over them, this defense, the, you know, at different points of this year. Dalvin Cook, um, who happens to lead McCaffrey actually in rushing yards right now, he's uh, 13 yards ahead of him. Um, at this point in the season, um, probably not that significant of a difference, really. Um, so, I mean, 
he's he's incredible. Um, he and Blake Martinez played together. Um, Blake commented on that at a at his um, with the press at his locker yesterday. Um, they still stay in touch. They're they're amicable. They're friends. You could say. Nope. I think. Yep, they're friends. So, they're looking forward uh, to seeing each other after the game. Uh, they texted uh, this past week before the Chargers game, like, hey, looking forward to seeing you, bud. So, um, But yeah, to, to your point, the Packers' uh, rush defense is 24th in the NFL this year, giving up 127 yards per game, while the Panthers' run offense is 7th this year and gaining over 120 yards per game. And so, I mean, this is going to be the question. Can they contain him enough? I mean, I don't expect them to shut him down. He's going to get his plays. He's going to do well. He's going to he's going to get yards. That's without a doubt. Um, but can they do well enough and contain him enough um, to give the adv- advantage to their offense? Um, kind of looking at Kyle Allen and some of his plays, I mean, you can – I mean – the last two weeks for the the Panthers are kind of light and day. Um, you have the 49ers where he's turning the ball over left and right, and then you have the Titans where he's able to keep it. And if you can get a little pressure on him when he does have to throw the ball, it seems to be effective. Um, and and you know as turnovers go, it seems like that's kind of how uh, the Panthers have gone um, with Kyle Allen at quarterback and McCaffrey, um, you know, carrying this team on his back. Yeah. Uh, to your point, uh, Allen out of Texas A&M, he, he's had a lot of good games. He had a four-touchdown game against Arizona, a two-touchdown game against Tampa Bay. However, the three-interception game he had against San Francisco uh, was really the toughest opponent they've faced this year outside of their uh, close-ish win against the Houston Texans. Um, so it, it's, it's an interesting matchup for both teams in kind of a test of their mettle. I think this is going to be one of the closer games of the year, uh, for the Packers. Um, and I think it is going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if the Packers come into this game though, with a chip on their shoulder, which they clearly have after this next week and can turn it around, I honestly, though, wouldn't be surprised to see this game, you know, kind of turned on its head. Um, you know, if if the defense can can hold up, can put up a tough front, maybe maybe put a little help closer to holding Christian McCaffrey in place. Um, I mean, what this offense? I, I mean, I think both teams have offenses that are highly capable of scoring points. Um, this could easily be a shootout. Um, or a race out, I guess, if the running back is scoring mostly. Um, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's but, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if they can hold them in place and force the, if the Packers can force some turnovers, either some, you know, some picks in particular, I think that seems like their best opportunity. Um, I could easily see also see this game get fairly lopsided and stay that way. Uh, I have a little bit more doubt in the lopsidedness of this game. Um, I think another interesting part of the Panthers team is they, I feel like the Packers a lot throughout this year have faced, uh, stud defensive pass rushers, uh, whether it be like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller for the Denver Broncos, Khalil Back for the Bears. 
um, Demarcus Lawrence with the Cowboys. Uh, the Harrison Pan- Smith with the Vikings. Sure. Uh, but I, I the Panthers have eight guys on their team who have at least two sacks. Um, they have a really good rookie, Brian Burns, who's having a strong rookie season. However, a lot of there's some veterans on this pass rush for the Panthers and Dontari Poe, uh, Gerald McCoy, who was uh, formerly for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Irvin, who was formerly with the Raiders and the Seahawks. Uh, but they have a lot of other guys in Shaq Thompson, uh, Burlett, Addison, uh, Miller, a lot of guys who uh, have had some success pass rushing. And it's really, I think, one of those teams that might try to bring their pass rush in waves and rotate their guys through um, in trying to affect the quarterback. And they've had success so far this year as a team. So I think that's not something to be overlooked coming off a game where it felt like Aaron Rodgers was taking a lot of hits. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's really as if can this offense turn the page and get back to what they were doing two weeks ago. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the biggest key throughout this entire game, you know? And I, I mean, if they can do that and, and our defense can generate some turnovers, I don't know that a shootout or or that, a, you know, it, getting lopsided is that far out of the question. Those are both big ifs, though. Mm-hmm. Um, our turnovers have really dried up since the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, this is this last game was a tough pill to swallow. Um, and and can can they make the corrections and move forward um, and have the focus that they need to have? I completely agree with you there. Um, also say that uh, the Panthers have a couple good wide receivers and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuels who uh, have some speed to their game. Um, uh, and Greg Olson is still a great tight end. Greg Olson is, we just saw uh, uh, not too long ago, Jason Witten and another old man tight end. Uh, Greg Olson uh, is having a very healthy season. He's played all eight games for the Panthers uh, after coming off a couple of injury plague se- seasons. He he's known to be a touchdown threat. Um, so they, they have weapons throughout the offense and uh, a man, a manager at the helm in Kyle Allen and Ron Rivera, who are going to try to work through it. So. And Ron Rivera really is a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, what he, he has been able to do um you know, when Cam Newton was starting in the league and getting him off and running and what he's shown that, you know, how he can guide a team when your starting quarterback goes down. Um, He's a good coach. Um, And, you know, I think, you know, I think we really saw against Kansas city with Andy Reid how, how much a good coach can, can overcome challenges like your starting quarterback going down with Patrick Mahomes and Matt Morris stepping in. Um, Good coaches have a lot of sway. Um, And so he he'll have a plan for this Packers team and and let's hope Matt LaFleur and the Packers um, have a better one. Yeah. And uh, Ron Rivera, good 
great leader and head coach with a defensive background. He is known as a defensive-minded head coach, but you also have to uh, just say mention at least their offensive coordinators, Norv Turner, who has uh, 33 years of experience in the NFL. So certainly a well-experienced staff that will have their team prepared, and I do not doubt that at all. Um, so with that, we'll kind of turn into maybe our game predictions and X factors of the game. Uh, again, the Packers are favored by five and a half at home um, against uh, this Panthers team. And I think that this is going to be a very close game. Uh, I'm very worried. This is one of the games I'm more worried about, uh, mostly because of Christian McCaffrey and how our rush defense has been our weaker point on our defense. Um, and I think it's going to be really important in this game to, if I was a coach, I would, uh, want to play on defense a lot. I would give my cornerbacks the challenge of playing man coverage a lot. I would, I would too. I, I would too. <laughs> I would have, uh, one high safety, three corners playing man coverage and then stack a lot of guys in the box. I'd have seven man boxes as much as I could uh, to try to stop Christian McCaffrey uh, and hope that you don't get too burned on big plays down the field uh, and letting your cornerbacks earn their keep. Um, So that's something that worries me throughout this game and what I hope they do on defense a little bit more. Um, I think I will predict a Packers win mostly because it's at home. Uh, however, if I was going to bet on this game, I would bet, uh, I would bet against, I would bet with the Panthers and the five and a half point favorite. I think it's going to be a field goal type game. I, and I think the Panthers have a very real shot at winning. Um, I'm going to say that this is going to be a 24, 21 game where the Packers and Mason Crosby kick a game winning field goal and my X factor will be Devonte Adams getting his first touchdown catch of the year. So, all right. Um, I'm trying to think what kind of game prediction I think this will be. Um, I mean, I do. I I, I do think this is going to be a close game, and I do think it's going to come down to to a clutch play in the latter half of the fourth quarter. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring though. I'm kind of. I'm kind of thinking, thinking it might be 33-31 Packers. Okay. Um, I do think that I do think the Panthers are going to beat the spread. I I am hopeful that um, the offense turns the page. They load up the box, and our cornerbacks earn their keep. Kevin King and Jair Alexander absolutely can make those plays. Um, and I'm I'm hoping they do it. So um, my kind of X factor. Ooh, let's see here. Can I have an X factor on each side of the ball? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Most um, definitely. <laughs> I think my X factor is going to be. Actually, I'm going to. I think I'm going to go with Tremont Williams. Um, he has not had a pick yet this year. Mm-hmm. He's come close. At least I don't think he has. Maybe he had one. Now I'm questioning myself. This is what a 10% beer does. Um, but. You know, I, th- I think it's the secondary, getting getting a pick and forcing that. Um, if they can do that, I like our chances. If they don't, this is going to be tough sledding. Um, on the other side of the ball, you know, I'm a little concerned about our tackles. Um, they are beat up, and they, they just got beat <laughs> mm-hmm. around the edges. Um, 
I, seeing how they respond, seeing how, um, you know, how they correct that and, and give Aaron the, the pocket he needs and just a little bit more time. He doesn't need a ton of time, but he just needs a little bit more than he got this week. Yeah. So I'm going to still be watching Bakhtiari and Balaga. Um, we know they're beat up, um, but we also know that they can play through almost anything. Uh, so I just want to see how that goes. Did you say X factor on both sides of the ball? Tackles, cornerbacks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant like Packers, Panthers. Oh, no. Offense oh, okay. and defense. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Um, my bad. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I'd agree with that. Um, I think the bye week's coming at a good time for the Packers. It definitely seems like. Oh, I loved the placement of this bye week when yeah. I saw the schedule. Um, a couple years we've had it pretty early, mm-hmm. and I think that just sets up for the end of the season to just be, a, like just a, just a marathon. Yeah. But the season is already a marathon, and this has just turned it into like an Ironman marathon. Like it just, it sucks. Um, so when I saw the placement initially, I was pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we had one of our Thursday night games the first week of the season. Mm-hmm. We had a second one a couple couple um, couple weeks in, so we had a couple mini buys early on to kind of make adjustments as we're getting settled into the, you know, the Matt Lafleur coaching era and the new offense that he brings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciated that about the schedule. But having this buy as late as it is, I think is is really good and is going to be a really good time. Our injury reports have been lengthy. For yeah, quite and, some time. And and the nice thing is guys have been able to uh, suit up every week and not be ruled out of games. And I think just having a bye uh, coming up for week 11, it will it will be good. We will still record a podcast that week. Uh, we'll figure something creative out. Um, Don't but, worry, folks. I have a plan. We, we have plans. We have special, special plans. So look forward to that. Um yeah, I it'll be it'll be interesting this game uh, to see what happens and this game could have uh, playoff ramifications as far as tiebreakers and the NFC with the Panthers being a good team. They're five and three. Uh, they're not out of the hunt. They're very much a possible playoff team and uh, beating playoff teams is what you want to see. Um, All right. Any last words for the people this week, Sarah? Just want to let you all know that I prefer pumpkin pie to humble pie. I also prefer pumpkin pie (laughs) to humble pie. Uh, So with that, we're going to put a little whipped cream on the end of this episode and hope you all have a great week and hope that we don't have to give you another Packers loss uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, Go Pack Go and good night.